Hey guys, how's it going? Scotty from scottsbasslessons.com and I'm back with you again with another awesome interview for you. This week we've got Matt Majunkins from The Perfect Circle, his own um, project called The Beta Machine. He plays with Eagles of Death Metal, who aren't actually a death metal band. <laughs> You've got to check them out, actually. They're a wicked band. And uh, anyway, I'll let Nick take you away with the interview in just one minute. But before we do that, I just want to give you a shout out and let you know that we've just released a brand new course into the membership over at scottsbassessons.com. It's the Bass 101 course. Um, originally, or even not originally, we actually still have it. We've got a the definitive beginner's guide for bass guitar in the membership. It's a five-hour long course. Full on, you know, tons of great stuff in there. But just over the last year, we've seen a lot of people joining up the membership that have never even picked up a bass or guitar before. So this new course, the Bass 101 course, is specifically for people who have never even touched an instrument before in their lives. So that is in the membership now. Um, It's over an hour and a half long. It's really cool. So if you've been on the fence thinking that... You know, the membership at Scott's Bass Lessons might be too advanced for you. You're way off. There's a ton of great stuff for people that are just starting out. There's a ton of great stuff in there for people that are hobbyists or intermediate kind of bass players doing their thing. And there's an an amazing amount of stuff in there as well for people that have been playing for years and are super advanced. We've got you all covered. Now, if you're listening to this anywhere else other than scottsbassessons.com make sure you shoot over to the site and check out the show notes for this episode because i've got some great videos of matt on there for you just go to scottsbassessons.com obviously and in the top navigation click on uh podcast that would make sense wouldn't it and if you're completely new to scottsbassessons.com make sure you go to scottsbassessons.com forward slash toolkit and you can download a ton of cool stuff from there there's a buyer's guide there's a guide on how to get more gigs and how to get started with that there's a backing track library and a ton of other cool stuff as well but go to scottsbassessons.com forward slash toolkit and you can grab it all from there now remember if you're an academy member part of the membership over at scott's bass essence you can also watch the entire video version of this interview as well as well as all of the other ones that we've got and if you're not already an Academy member, guys, just go over and check it out at scottsbasslessons.com. In a nutshell, it is the best online learning platform for bass players in the world, step-by-step courses, live seminars every week, the largest online bass educational community in the world, and tons more. And on top of all that, we've got a completely free 14-day trial, so you can take the entire thing for a test drive just to see if it's for you. Now, without further ado, I'm going to hand over to Nick, and he's interviewing the amazing Matt Majunkins. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the SBL Podcast. We're here today with Matt Majunkins. If you've been following Matt, you will have seen him on stage with a ton of really cool bands like Ashes Divide, Eagles of Death Metal, Perfect Circle. list goes on and on, right Matt? You've been busy. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been uh, busy, busy several years. It's good, it's a good thing. So let's just go back a little bit how did you kind of get turned on to this sort of genre of music turned on like in what way just how did you I know <laughs> I know that, I know it's that kind of interview um it could be any yeah. kind of movie you want <laughs> <laughs> what publication is this hustler um yeah I so I um you know I'm I grew up in Palm Springs uh, California which is about an hour and a half, about 100 miles east of Los Angeles, right. out in the desert. So I grew up out there and um, 
when I finished high school, I moved to LA to go to Musicians Institute, um, to go to music school there. And, you know, I just, at the time, I wasn't really sure. I just wanted to play music, you know, kind of, kind of had that inclination since I was, you know, from the time I was pretty young. Sure. And I just, two older brothers, I grew up listening to music all the time. We're always like really into bands and going to shows and like checking out, you know, who's in what band and just kind of like following, like, like some people follow baseball teams or something like, oh yeah, that's my favorite player. Like, oh yeah, that guy's on this band now. Like, oh, that's cool. Well, I like that too, you know. Anyway, um, from the time I was a little kid and just was always into it and just kind of seemed like a natural thing to do, just like always surrounded by music and kind of was like the only thing I ever really, really wanted to do. You know, I never had like another thing that I really wanted to pursue. So it was kind of a easy choice and I'm lucky I had a very supportive I have a very supportive mom and brothers and stuff that kind of like like yeah you want to do that just do it so I gave it a shot anyway so yeah I moved to Los Angeles um, after high school and um, I went to MI for a couple of years and um, you know my time there was incredible you know I learned so much and um great teachers, lots of one-on-one -on -one time, lots of great just, you know, not just bass teachers, but everybody, you know, like lots of, I don't know, just really, I guess kind of set the template for me to kind of like learn how to prepare myself for, you know, more like professional situations. I'd been in bands at the, you know, before that and at that time while I was going there and, um, you know, I always took it very seriously, you know, like it's very, it's very fun. But when it came time to like playing a show and doing things, I was, even when I was really young, like I was, was very, you know, it wasn't about like, you know, yeah, you, you have fun, you party and there's that, but the music comes first, you know, always for me at least. And, um, so I kind of, that kind of helped like instill that attitude for me, like going there, I, helped me set up a foundation uh with just kind of knowing you know how to practice how to teach yourself things you know it's one thing to like take lessons from somebody but once you get to a point to where you kind of know how to teach yourself and you can just be try to be objective and uh, like when it comes to learning things or preparing for a show or something you just you know how to like just be like this you know how to solidify your place as like playing in that band you know even if it's just for a show or one night or a session or whatever it is um so yeah so i kind of worked on that there and just practiced a ton and learned a lot of stuff and was like kind of just i kind of went sort of like narrow-minded like i was a total metalhead and like really into like just heavy music at the time and i kind of like went more as a sponge and just kind of soaked up all this other stuff um, and other styles that I, I wasn't, I was familiar with, but I hadn't really played before. So I was like, yeah, it, let's try jazz. Let's do this. Let's try this. And it kind of like expanded my horizons a bit, uh, for listening and also just things that I would play. And it also kind of helped me like, like I went for it. Like if there was something that I, I wasn't, I didn't really fully grasp or I was like, oh, it's not really my thing. I'm like, maybe it could be my thing. Let's try it. Let's see what happens. I don't know. You know, cause I was always you know, really into like players who were 
in bands, you know, I, I, I love lots of bands, you know, where it's like everybody's in the band from the beginning. And it's this thing that lasts for a long time. But, you know, there's also a lot of artists who it's, it's more, you know, the artist writes their music and they go out and they tour and they do records and they, you know, they get their touring musicians or their session musicians and it's different people, revolving doors sometimes. And I appreciated that too, because there's so many great players out there that, um, you know, you, as you start to become aware, you're like, oh my God, this guy does that kind of music, but like Tony Levin or Stu Ham or someone like that, you know, who just... Yeah just so talented and so professional that they can kind of gravitate towards so many different types of things. And I always thought that was really cool. So I was like, Oh, maybe some like, not like I could be like those guys, but you know, like that kind of thing, like maybe that's the path that I'm going to follow. I don't know. And, um, so yeah, so I just, I went out to, to, I moved out here to LA and went to music school. And when I finished, I just started working. I just started going out and playing in bands, whatever it was, as much as I could, uh, just to get the experience, you know, like, um, and just, I just wanted to play. I just wanted like, okay, I've, I've been in school. That's fine. I'm playing bands. I want to take all these things I've been learning and like really apply it. And that's when, that's when you really, that's when you really start to like understand the things that you've been kind of learning. Like it's one thing to be in a classroom or in a private lesson, and you could sit at home and practice all fucking day, but it's all for nothing if you don't go out and use it, like, and use it to entertain somebody, because that's what music is at the end of the day. It's entertainment. Sure. You know, so if you're sitting in your room practicing all day, and I, I never, I like doing that, but there's like a, there has to be a balance, you know, like, I think playing in front of people is the best practice, ultimately. So I just, I just like threw myself out there, like, yeah, whatever, this blues thing, this fucking jazz thing at some dinner club or whatever, just didn't matter. And also to pay the bills, you know. Right, I, sure. I didn't want to have a job, you know, I've had I've worked in restaurants and stuff, and, and for a while um, went back and forth to like just full time musician, and sometimes I have like a part time job. Um, but I try to keep myself busy enough and working enough where I didn't have to do those kinds of things. It would just focus on music. And, um, so yeah, I did that for a few years and, um, and through Musicians Institute, I got hooked up, uh, with a guy named Barry Squire and right. he's, yeah. And he's great. You know, anybody, I recommend anyone, um, who's out in LA to try to get a hold of him. Hopefully he doesn't get flooded with phone calls. He's used to, yeah, right. um, you know, and because that's what his thing is, he um, he puts bands together, and so he does a lot of auditions, right? Yeah, exactly. So he uh, he was kind of working with um, people who were coming out of MI, the mm Musicians -hmm. Institute at the time, and I don't know if he still does that or not. But um, at the time, he, he was. I think he was just kind of starting to do it when I finished. So um, yeah, I got hooked up with him and, and started you know, playing with bands, and so kind of landed some things, like for some local bands um, around here, you know, did a little bit of touring with them, and in um, the fall, or, or like December of 2007, like a little bit, like right before Christmas time, um, I got a call from Barry Squire, I mean, it was an email, but get contacted 
by him saying, hey, there's this band called Ashes Divide uh, from Billy Howardell, and they're looking. he's looking to put a band together, and would you be interested in auditioning? It's this time, and of course it's like the day before, or maybe like two days before, or something like that. That's usually what happens. You get a call to audition for somebody. It's never like, oh yeah, like next month. It's always right, like right. tomorrow, or the next day. So, and it's kind of like, you know, a lot of people kind of do it on purpose to see like if you can pick up stuff yeah. really quick and like come in and just nail it, which is tough because, uh, you know, sometimes you're like in the middle of just life, you know, you do, or maybe you have yeah, shows. Yeah. And, uh, so anyway, I got that call and it kind of just, this thing went off, the spark kind of went off cause that's, you know, I grew up as a perfect circle fan, you know, I was a huge fan of, of, uh, of uh, Meredith Nolm and 13th Step and, and Motive. Yeah, Motive was out by then. And, um, you know, and I'd seen them, you know, and I, I'm a fan. So um, that was kind of, that was one of those things where I was like, oh my God, like I, that's, that's like, you know, you just, you always want to play in, in bands with people that you, you listen to, of, of course, or at least when you're doing what I do, yeah. you know, and it's like, these things like, oh, these cool to play in that band how amazing but you don't really think you would play you just you just you just work and you're trying to like find things and it's chaos and like every day is like a different thing you know uh at least for me it was at the time it still is but um so i yeah so i just like i had to learn a couple of perfect circle songs and um i had to learn judith and gravity and those were the those were the songs that everyone had to learn. So he was he was auditioning the whole band, drums, bass, guitar, and uh, keyboards. Not at the time it was just bass, drums, guitar, and he did keyboards later on. So it was like the whole like rhythm section. And uh, so yeah, I just I went in there and I learned the songs as best as I could. You know, which is always tricky for bass, as you know. Like, is that the bass part? Like, is that is that is the bass doing it's so buried in the mix <laughs> luckily for perfect circle stuff the bass is like f fairly prominent actually a lot of times but you know, you just gotta have the right headphones to hear thing you know is it doing what the guitar is doing i'm not really sure like your mind starts to play these like audio tricks in that kind of situation are you are you ready to kind of add something to the line or do you just try and stick to what's on the record i mean usually usually in those situations they want if you just 100% like get what's there already. Mm -hmm. um, I always try to, I'll, I'll try to learn the album version as best as I can hear it and figure it out. Sometimes I'll transcribe things if I have time. Some, like some, like those songs, I knew them already. You know, I'd heard them a million. So, so I didn't need to go like, Oh, when does the chorus come in? Like I, know how the song goes you know but like i'd never played them before so i was like oh shit. and um so yeah i just went over them and, and until i felt like i had them down um and do you so go as, far as, as kind of finding out what kind of bass he had or, or whether he sure. had a pick or things mm -hmm. like absolutely yeah i and i've done this and i've seen people do it a lot where like these oh shit i don't have that kind of bass for that guitar I just go borrow one from a friend or you know, you go buy one from somewhere and return it the next day or, yeah, <laughs> or sure. whatever, you know, whatever it takes. Yeah. Pedals, you know, whatever. Because sometimes, uh, right, just having a similar kind of gear puts 
other people at ease. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, just no. Just it's just because it's a detail, right? And it's important to you know the devil's in the details. You know, it's, there's a lot of people that are capable of playing songs. You know, like like you know for for lots of bands and lots of music, but to get the right feel and like the right approach and like, yeah, you want to, when you're joining a band that's already laid down a foundation for a sound, they have like a sonic palette that already exists, you know? And yes, of course, usually, you know, people want you to bring in your own thing. And, but like just at the very beginning, I think usually they want to go like, okay, can you at least just do what, is already there, and then you can expand upon that. I think that's usually the best. I've seen people do a thing where they go and like, oh yeah, man, I got that f-ing song. Like, you know, it's like a thing where you're like hanging out for the audition, right. you know, because there's all these musicians that are like, oh man, these songs are f-ing breeze, man, I got this. And they go in, you know, like drummers playing all these fills that aren't there. It's like, dude, what are you doing? It's a song. It's not a jam. Like, right, right. learn the song, you know. And same thing with bass, you know, or, or any instrument. So, uh, but yeah, but but you also, you take the recorded version, but you also, like, I'll go on YouTube, look up live versions, and like, oh, how did they do it there? Or if there's a live record or anything like that, kind of look at different versions. And it can be especially tricky when it's a band or a song that's been played live by different, like, there's been different versions of it or different incarnations of yeah. Play it a little different. Things are phrased slightly different, so you kind of like try to just use your your own judgment as to like, okay, what what do I think would be cool, and what do I think would fit the best in this situation? What would make the most sense for the band or the artist? Um, so you kind of take this like hodgepodge of existing versions, and then like, yeah, you might add something, but I th- I think for like the very first time. If you just 100% get it how it is already and nail that, and then you can have that conversation about like, oh, hey, I think on the bridge it could be cool if I like threw on a fuzz or a delay or something, you know, like, or you just do it what some when you're in the band maybe, or, you know, or, or just, or you just say like, hey, what do you want? You want me, you want it to just be like how it is on the record or you want to do some stuff and they go like, ah, oh, do whatever, then try it out, you know, but, uh, at bare minimum, do what's on the record. I think that's the best place to start in that particular situation. Sure. Oh, what would, would you give to guys? We've spoken before where you've, you've talked about being in an audition where they're auditioning not just the bass player but the drummer as well, or even maybe more members. And you, you kind of your audition yeah. spot is kind of reliant on their performance as well. It is, and, you need to and be that's kind of sympathetic at the same time. So you kind of all all show yourselves in the best light possible, right? Of course, yeah. It's it's you're a united front at that yeah. point, and uh, it's a it's a strange thing to audition for a band because music, in general, you know, we we all want to think of it as like not being competitive. It's like this communal art form, but when it comes to an audition, obviously you are competing. There's no other way to look at it. You are literally <laughs> competing against these other, you know. So it's very. But of course you can't think of it that way. You have to just go in and do the best you can and just hope that it works out. And if it doesn't, then like, it's no harm. Like, oh, this other guy or girl was better suited for the, th- the position or they wanted them for whatever. It's it's fine. It's just the way it happens. But um, 
yeah, when you're going in with, with another group of people, yeah, you don't know what they're going to play. You know, right. it could be an absolute train wreck. And I got lucky because I went in and Jeff Friedel, the drummer, had just happened. And we already knew each other. We had done another show with another artist before just once. And it was through a mutual friend. So, like, we became friends kind of through that. Like, we knew each other that well. But when I went to just, I didn't know who was auditioning. So I just show up and, you know, just a shitload of people waiting outside to, like, you know, everyone's got their time slot. Yeah. And this is how it is for most of these, you know, like I've been on a lot of these things. And um, and you, you kind of try to, you just talk, hey, what time are you going in? Uh, and you kind of try to find your group, like, okay, this is my drummer, this is my guitar player. Right. And then, like, yeah, you're like, and I was like, him was like, yeah, because the show that we had done, Jeff was filling in for uh, another friend of ours, the, the regular drummer, uh, his is Michael Duffy. And um, Jeff filled in for just one show, and it, like it was perfect, you know. Like we did one rehearsal, we did the show, and it was like, "Yep, that's how that goes," you know. It was like spot on. I was like, "Yeah, that guys, that guys, solid." And um, but the music was totally different from you know like what Ashes Divide or Perfect Circle piece. So it was kind of interesting going in there, and he probably thought the same thing about me, like. I don't know. Does this guy play this kind of stuff? Like, I don't know. And um, so we went in there and did it. And I can't remember who was on guitar that played with us right at that moment when we auditioned, but um, it ended up not being that guy. Um, right. But yeah, we just played through the song. But yeah, so it you know, went well. And, and um, Billy was like, okay, you know, like, let me come over and play with you guys. And like, he got up and played with us. And we were like, okay, cool. You know. You know, and then it's just this process, and they call you back, and you go back the next day or whatever, and, you know, until they're like, yeah, and I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, so that, that for me was like, that was the start of uh, getting into this sort of circle of, of bands and musicians that I'm currently playing with. Um, so, would you feel like you, I mean, a lot of those bands have had previous lineups before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What kind of stage do you kind of, feel some kind of ownership of your position in the band? Um, that's an interesting question. You, I never feel like, yeah, you know, an ownership over the music. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, it's not my music. You know, I've helped record some stuff. I'm, I talk about all the bands. Sure. You know, that I uh, the only thing that I really claim ownership is the beta machine, which is mine and Jeff's band that we started. And, um, but, um, but yeah, of course, once, you know, cause you get in there and you play, then you're all friends and especially, you know, with, uh, Ash Divide, Pussifer, Perfect Circle, Eagles, Death Metal. Like I've, those are all bands that like I've toured with for long chunks of time. Yeah. And we all, we're all friends and it's really, you know, and like, so yeah, you, you through playing more and more with somebody, um, you start to kind of, sometimes without even like meaning to you just start changing parts like mm -hmm. not even intentionally it's just like it's kind of like almost a bad habit sometimes like i've i've caught myself playing parts with pussifer where like for a while i was like oh yeah that's how it goes and like one day you know matt mitchell's like what are you playing on that part i'm like <laughs> you know he's like that's not how it goes <laughs> <laughs> Like, somewhere along the road, I just started to slowly morph this thing and, like, 
kind of accidentally. Like, whoops. Um, but yeah, you just kind of add your own thing and you're always trying to improve because sometimes what happens on the record doesn't necessarily translate live. Um, whether it's the part, the, the dynamics or the, the actual part itself or the sound, you know, like maybe sometimes it's, it's, it, you want it to be a little more out of control live or a little more aggressive. Um, you know, it's always, you want things to be more exciting, you know, so it's, it's more fun to take things to have this kind of range. Whereas on a recording, typically things are a little more controlled and focused and compressed, you know, it's just, this is how it is. So, um, there's a lot of things that come into play, you know, and you work out things with drummers, you know, a lot of, a lot of it, you know, you kind of start with how songs end. Mm -hmm. That's always like a thing or how songs yeah, transition. Yeah. And maybe you, maybe you even start to kind of like let a song kind of linger and kind of like write another part that kind of complements that, that flows into the next song. And then, you know, or, or maybe um, the band is working on a new song while you're on the road. And, you know, then you start contributing to that or, um, or maybe do like, oh yeah, we want to do this fucking Bowie cover. You're like, oh cool, you know, and then you like kind of figure out a way to kind of work on it together. And those kinds of things make you grow closer as a band, you know, kind of sharing those. That's where it's really fun, you know, like when you're really, you know, because when you just, when you dial in a set, it takes a while, you know, like really get that yeah. flow going. You're like okay, and then you get the performance down, and like someone just has an idea and goes like, "I want to try something different," and you'll sit there and kind of like a sound check maybe or something, and kind of like just start from scratch, or maybe you want to reimagine a part or just um, look at it through a different lens, you know, uh, maybe a different sound or a different instrument, maybe oh instead of bass, maybe I'll play synths here or whatever it is, um, or trying different backup vocal things, you know. Um, so those kinds of things, in a nutshell, help you. You know, you all feel like you're part of this unit. You know, yeah. You're all, you're all working towards a common goal. Doesn't matter, you know, whoever whoever started the band or whoever. You know, it's like if if you're all there, you're all there for a reason because you're having fun and you all trust each other to like do what you can to make these songs be the best that they can be for a live situation. How would you describe life on tour with some of these bands? Because I've seen you guys and I've seen lots of bands and spoken to lots of people and it's just, it can be chaos like, mm -hmm. in a really cool way. Yeah, it is. It's, it's very strange. Um, it is a, it's a definitely a different kind of life. It always takes a little while to, to readjust going into it. Mm-hmm. And coming out, you know, like if you're going into a tour, like say you're touring for um, the better part of like a year or, or several months, say like nine months out of a year or six months even is a long time. But like typically, um, at least with the bands I've played with so, so far, um, you know, you'll tour, you'll be out for a month or two. And then, like, maybe you come home and you have, like, a week, two weeks off, maybe a month, then you go back out, you know, whatever. And that time in between tours, so it's all, really, you consider the, all of it one tour, you know, like, you put out a record, mm -hmm. there's, like, a tour cycle, but you just have breaks in between. But it's not really until that cycle is 
done and you're like kind of on a hiatus until there's a new record. It takes a while when you come off of that, it takes a minute to just kind of remember what your life is like. Not being, stuff, right? Yeah, just you know, there's just you're just so used it's kind of like um yeah, it's just completely different. You I would you know, it starts up and and you know, you're going out, you starts with rehearsals, obviously, and um, you get out there and you kind of remember what it feels like and sounds like to, to play with people. You're like, oh, yeah, this is okay. So, you know, it feels really good. And you start to get into a thing and you're just working on, on the show. And then, you know, after the show, you're free. Like, for, for me, as a musician, my day is typically... Like, I don't really have to do anything or be anywhere until, like, sound check. Right. So, you know, so my job, I guess, or, you know, my day really starts then. So whatever, if I want to wake up early and check out the city or go do something, I have to do it before then. Then you, you go to sound check. And um, so you're kind of working for a little bit, just making sure things are cool. And then, then you fuck off <laughs> for... For a little while and can hang out and maybe you have a few hours a couple hours to go check things out grab a bite then you're back to the show and then it's like you know it's fucking go time you get ready you you know make sure everything's cool at the set if anything's changed you kind of like go backstage kind of go over it get some good music playing backstage kind of have like a little little pre-show dance party maybe going on uh, you know, say hi to some friends, and um, you know, I personally try not to get. I can't get too loose <laughs> before sure. a show because uh, you know I, I want to focus and I want to be as good as I can be. But I definitely will have like a little little sip of something just to kind of warm up, and then um, and then you know, and then by the end of the show, you're it, you're you're on this like adrenaline rush. You know, it feels really good, especially. I'm very lucky. I get to play with bands that already have this um, established fan base. So they're already playing bigger shows. And there's just people. And it's loud. And it's fucking amazing. It feels so good, I, you know, to be up on a stage with a band like that, with Eagles Death Metal or Perfect Circle or Pussifer or Ash Divide, you know, anyone like that. It's it's amazing. It really is like a feeling that I wish everyone could experience at least once in their life. And so you do that, and you come off stage, and you maybe you kind of go, oh, yeah, what the fuck was that? Or, like, oh, man, you know, you kind of, like, go over it. But, like, I think it's really bad. Like, I've seen some bands do this thing. You know, on tour, it's important to, like, morale is really important. You right. know, keeping... And it, and, and it, you don't have to, like, you know, you should always be open and honest. Like, you know, if someone, like, fucks up, they're going to know they fucked up. Or, you know, if someone makes a mistake and they miss the thing... After the show, it's it. Sometimes you you might get bummed on yourself or whoever it is that might go like, "Oh man, I blew it." You try out a new song and like you missed something or whatever, but you know we're you're always there for each other. You like support, like, dude, yeah, it's cool. Let's go over it, sound check, or whatever. Right. You spend like a minute doing that, maybe, or or you talk about how great it was. Or, like, oh my god, crowd's fucking amazing. Or oh my god, like you know. And, uh, oh, my God, we have to do more like this because this was cool tonight. We changed this one thing, and it was, like, kind of an accident. But, 
you, know, you just kind of like take little mental notes, mm -hmm. and then you just kind of like just blow off the steam and just kind of try to come down from from that all that you know, and uh, and it's crazy because you're doing that pretty much every night for like wow. several weeks or yeah. several months. There's days off in between, but sometimes those days off are like travel days, so it's like it's not like you really have a full day, right? Um, necessarily in a you know to go explore or hang out with friends or whatever. How about your um, how about your gear? Because when you're on a tour for that long and you're yeah. playing in different not just different types of venue, but different countries a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. You want to have a solid setup on stage, but you also want to try and make sure your rig is kind of venue friendly, or as venue friendly as possible, right? Sure. Yeah, and yeah, and that's um, that's something you try to consider. You know, the booking agent when they they go to book out a a, a tour at the beginning, usually there's like a you know there's a tech writer. You know, with like stage plots and all the input list, you know, like, hey, we need bare minimum, we need this. Right. This, the PA has to be at least this or whatever, the soundboard or whatever it is, um, so that you have enough space on stage or whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, but, but, you know, there is usually a little wiggle room, you know. Uh, like with Eagles, we played. A lot of different sizes of venues, you know. Especially when you're when you're on a long tour, you're doing a variety of shows. Sometimes like big clubs or theaters, yeah. and then sometimes festivals. Um, we always with Eagles it, try to keep this the the unit kind of close together. Mm -hmm. So like the way it feels. Uh, when we're playing a club show, and like the distance between members and our amps and the uh, where Jorma sits and like all that, try try we always try to keep it the same, you know. So even if it's a huge stage, it's a big festival, we're gonna be right in the middle of it, so that you know you don't look over and I see Jesse's fifty feet away from me. It's like sure. no, he's fucking right there. So like you know, if he wants to look over at me and go like. Fucking make a joke or crack a smile or something. I'll see it and I'll I'll be right there. And, it, and there's this intimacy that I think stays. You know, um, you don't lose that you know, right. throughout the show. When you're on a really big stage, everyone's really far apart. Some sometimes you can lose that. So anyway, uh, but gear wise, we try to keep. Uh, yeah, with every band, it's a little different. You know, it just depends on. Depends on where you're going too. Like, uh, like typically, if you're going to go tour in um, Australia, there's you know you usually just do one show in like you know you go like Sydney, mm -hmm. uh, Melbourne, Adelaide, Perth, uh, Brisbane. You know, and for me, like I've only been there a few times, but those were usually just those cities that we would do, and they're pretty far apart so yeah. you're typically you're not in a bus doing that you're just flying to each city so um you gotta have the gear go on a truck that's like gives you a couple days or mm -hmm. the truck needs a couple days to get from point a to point b or you just fly with all your guitars and your pedals and um you just have it set up with each company that you know so if, like it was death metal using orange amps mm -hmm. Orange Ants will provide backline in each cool. city. Yeah. So they'll just have it 
delivered to the venue. So when the crew gets there for load-in, um, it's just there. And they can just set it all up. We go on the sound check. And so, yeah, we're set up. It's a lot easier that way. That's, that's, that's kind of how it goes when you're doing those. But when you're, like, over in the States or doing Europe, um, you just you start off with the stuff and you just it goes in a truck or a trailer. You have it. And it's just, it is the same exact amp, you know, throughout the whole thing. Usually have a backup of everything. You know, you should have at least like one backup amp for each person in case something goes wrong. Which, you know, of course, you know, you never know. The venue power might be fucked up or something. The fuse blows. God damn it. You know. Um, but yeah. Can and, we talk and, about your pedal ball, man? You, you have some sure. of the coolest pedals. Mm. But also, I was going to say, kind of, there are some genres where if a bass player turns up with a big pedal board, you could lose the kick, <laughs> right? Yeah, but it's no, kind of a given I mean, with, uh, with rock that you have to have a good drive sound or some kind of yeah, thing. yeah. But at the same um, time, you mean there are so many pedals to choose from now. There are, and How there are so many. You know, I um, it's it's different with every band, mm-hmm. and um, and it kind of changes. Um, like you know, just. I'll usually re-examine it. I'll usually leave it for a whole tour. But sometimes, you know, along the way, it's one of the fun parts about being on tours is uh, sometimes you'll have somebody, like, come to a show, like, hey, man, check out this pedal. Like, okay, fuck yeah. Check it out at Soundcheck. And if it does something that you feel like, oh, yeah, this could add to the show, or, you know, I could use this on even just one part in one song. And if I have space for it on the pedal board, I don't like to have, too much, like you said, it's just, I, I like, especially if I'm singing backups a lot, right. playing bass, singing backups, and the pedal stomping, Too much. it's like a little, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it takes a minute to get it down, so if I, if I add another pedal, sometimes it just takes me a minute to get used to it, and it kind of sure. throws me off. I have a weird thing, I'm, I'm right-handed, but I'm left-footed, so, right. so the, okay. so the, so the balance of, like, playing this, like, <laughs> have to have the pedals like slightly kind of like the pedals i'm going to hit more often i have to have them kind of like um slightly over to the left just a little bit nudged over a bit um so yeah i use a lot of things but i i, I do interchange things sometimes so what's on the board right now what are your sort of go-to pedals um depends on the band but um yeah I've, things i've been messing with a lot um there's this new Electron Drive that just came out. Um, I think they debuted it at NAMM, or it came out right around then. And it's their first Stompbox, which which is, like, really interesting. You're like, wow, they're doing Stompboxes? Like, I wouldn't think, you know, they're not known for that. They're right, typically yeah. synths and uh, drum machines and, and samplers and stuff, which all the ones I've messed with sound great. I have that Analog Keys uh, by Electron. <laughs> Awesome, awesome synth. So uh, they're like, "Hey, would you be interested in checking out this drive?" Absolutely, <laughs> and it's great because it's um, night. You can store up to ninety nine presets. Right. So it's sort of like having like a, a rack version, uh, or I'm sorry, like a pedal version of the Sansamp uh, PS one PSA one, um, which is like a you know, it's not huge, but it's it's still it's a rack thing. You're not going to have it sitting in front of you on a pedal board. So it's nice to have something like that where you could program uh, 
so many, you know, and, and you can just use it as like a clean boost or just an EQ if you want, if you don't even want the drive. So it's kind of nice because uh, that that takes up way less space than having a bunch of drive pedals. So that's rad. And, and so there's like eight circuits on it. Um, they're mostly all like variations of different types of drives, and one of them is a, like a harmonic fuzz, right. which been awesome. Um, so yeah, that's really cool. Um, OCD by Full Tone sure. sounds awesome on bass. You ever messed around with that? Yeah, it's of cool. course. Yeah, it's great. Because uh, I know a lot of guitar players that ha I've seen it on their boards. Matt Mitchell is the one who turned me on to that. He's like, dude, you gotta check it, check this out. You know. Check out the OCD. Yeah, yep, that works. That works. Um, yeah, Full Tone's great. Earthquaker devices, the Hoof Reaper. Mm -hmm. That sounds so good on bass. Um, that's really cool. The Bit Commander is really cool for like doing like weird, just super lo-fi, like, you know, sample rate reduction kind of thing. You know, like, yeah. sounds like video game sound or something. Pretty <laughs> really cool. Um, what else? Um, it's a great company called uh, Stax Effects out in, I think they're out in Long Beach. Okay. Um, yeah, um, I've messed around with, uh, they make this great reverb called a Native Lung. It's a reverb, really cool. All right. Um, make a great tremolo as well. Um, God damn. Oh, wow. Look at this. Shameless. It wasn't even intentional. Um, this company, KHDK. Oh, I can't see, man. What have you got? Uh, oh, okay, oh. yeah. <laughs> Let's try that again. <laughs> <laughs> no, that works. Yeah, yeah, cool. That's better. Um, yeah, KHDK. Um, so yeah, I have a buddy who who works with them, but it's it's uh, Kirk Hammett from yeah. Metallica. Yeah, yeah. Kirk Hammett and um, his buddy is guy David Caron, and um, so they design the pedals together, and um, they're mostly just like overdrives and fuzz right now they're kind of like expanding their stuff they're working on a i think they're working on some new shit, um, right now but um really cool they have this one it's called the scuzz okay. um that sounds really cool just kind of really cool fuzz like really cool for like kind of gnarly like lo-fi that's really fun to play with um the oh, ass master uh, oh of course man. Come on, yeah. Yeah. yeah come on man i think rules that's like that's yeah that's like a go to when when anything else fails I'm just like wait why don't I just go back to that oh yeah that's why I use that all the time it yeah, sounds yeah, fucking awesome uh, we use that a lot on the Beta Machine EP um, let's talk about that awesome. project man how's that going yeah it's great um, we just put out our debut EP which has been a, a kind of a long time in the making um, you know we've been waiting kind of for the right moment and. Mm -hmm. You know, we worked on it a lot over the last few years, but, um, you know, just been playing shows in the meantime and just kind of looking at different ways of releasing it or kind of... It's an interesting band because it's Jeff and I, um, you know, Matt Mitchell uh, produced the EP and he's producing this next record we're working on. And uh, Claire E.C. singing on it with me and Karina Round sings on the song and... Um, and, and for the next record, like the live band that that's, we've been playing with, also uh, Nick Perez on guitar from Holy Wars, that's sleeping, and Tommy Dill, who's a great friend of mine, a badass guitar player, 
And so they both play like guitars and synths. So it's kind of interesting because we started like with the EP. It was just me and Jeff, like, you know, writing all this stuff and kind of like figuring things out. Right. Uh, you know, co-wrote the one song with Karina, but, um, you know, Matt helping us out a lot with like the synth sounds and like kind of just figuring out like the sonic palette and just, we all kind of had the same tastes, you know, like kind of like a lot of the same music and a lot of the same shit. Um, he just kind of helped us get to that point with the EP uh, of where we were trying to go, even if we weren't really sure. You know, we just kind of kept experimenting. I mean, that's what the band is. That's where the name comes from. It's an experiment. Of, like, sure. we're always just trying things, like trying different things and that are exciting to us, you know? And we just want to try to make good songs that we like, that we want to listen to, and hopefully other people like them too, you know? But, um, Do you think you're trying to put... Or do you find yourself trying to put more of a kind of identifiable stamp on the sound of being your own project? You know, I approach it um, the same way I approach anything else, which is uh, just trying to make the songs as good as they can. So even though, even with like a perfect circle or Eagles of Death Metal, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm playing bass with them, I... Um, I'm not trying to like, hey, look at me, you know, like check this out. It's like, no, it's it's it should be about, you know, focus on the singer, the front man, and like or or whatever is featured at the moment. But ultimately, it's it's the songs should be the focus, and like, you know, like let the songs shine, and I'll do what I'll do my part that like fits in to, and like helps that achieve its goal you know so whatever i'm doing if i'm just sitting there playing eighth notes for the whole song that's totally fine i'm going to play those eighth notes best as i can and lock in with the drummer and like you know or if it's like or if jesse goes hey man do a bass solo i go oh <laughs> <laughs> and i go out and do a bass solo and like you know but like not because like i'm like i'm gonna do a bass solo it's just kind of like it's part of the thing or that night or whatever um so at the beta machine you know jeff and i just you know because he's an amazing drummer yeah it, but you know we're never like trying to go like oh look, look at this rad drum part or like let's make this really cool drum fill here like it's like let's just make focus on the song and, and whatever you know whatever is going to be highlighted for a moment or the whole song or whatever it is it, it it just has to sit right and be like all the parts have to come together there's not like there's never there's not a stamp on it like as a bass player you know i don't i don't try to go like i'm gonna do this bass thing for this per for each song there's like okay let's try this or whatever and some of the songs are pretty straight you know um also, maybe that's because I'm singing and playing at the same time too. <laughs> I can't, I can't pull, I can't pull out some Getty Lee shit, man. I'm like, <laughs> I gotta sing. I'm like, I'm gonna play eighth notes right here because I can't, right. you know. Um, but yeah, we just, it's, it's all about the songs, you know. It's not about like, any particular individual part, you know. It's the whole thing has to come together, make the song shine as best as it can. So, so the sound, I guess, the stamp that we put on it is just everything, you know, it's like the whole, it's, it's the combination of elements that come together 
I think I think that part of it is unique, and I think that's what our stamp would be, you know, if anything. Awesome, man. Man, I just yeah. want to say thanks so much for um, catching up. Yeah, of course. If you guys, you want to check out the EP? Where's the best place to find it? Um, so, yeah, we just finished the Pledge Music thing. Mm-hmm. So it, it was, you know, it goes out to those people first. But we just got the CDs, which is very exciting. And uh, it'll be up very soon. So, um, actually, when does this go out? This time, we'll be out in a couple of weeks, I think. So. Okay, so I'll just, I'll say this. You can get it right now on, um, <laughs> it's on, um, yeah, iTunes, Google Play, um, you know, everywhere. And if you want to order a CD or a vinyl, go to thebetamachine.com mm-hmm. and uh, you'll find it there. All right, guys, go check it out. Matt, thanks so much. Um, Thank you, man. Pleasure. We'll talk to you guys again same time next week. Um, take it easy. All right. Thanks, brother. Okay, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed that interview with Matt. Again, you can find him from all the show notes over on scottsbasselessons.com. Just go to scottsbasselessons, click on the podcast in the navigation, and you can check out all the podcasts there, including Matt's, and check out the show notes as well because some great videos in there. Um, I'm really, I've been listening to his band uh, recently called The Beta Machine and, and just loving the Loving the whole vibe of it, loving the production of it as well. And Matt sings on there. Yeah, just go check it out, see what you think. I think you'll absolutely love it. I remember, guys, if you're an Academy member, you can also watch the entire video version of all of our interviews as well. And if you're not an Academy member, come on, guys, get on with it. Go to and check it out at scottsbassassons.com. In a nutshell, it's the best online pl- platform for bass players in the world. Step by step courses, live seminars every single week with some of the best bass educators on the planet. We've just had Kayakart in. We had Gary Willis a few weeks before that. We've had guys like Steve Lawson, Steve Jenkins, Damien Ursian. I could go on and on. I'm sure you get the uh, you get the idea. And it's the largest online bass educational community in the world as well. The whole nine yards. And on top of that, we've got a completely free 14-day trial as well. So you can take it for a test drive just to see if it's for you. And when, once you sign up, if you find it isn't for you, you can cancel your account with the click of two buttons. You don't even need to email us and let us know. So there's no no hidden catches or anything like that. It, we're totally, uh, totally, there's no shenanigans, put it that way. <laughs> anyway, thanks again for listening again, uh, guys. And we will see you next week with another killer interview. Take it easy and I'll see you in the shed. Mm-hmm.